From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, and I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Our first guest is one of the most versatile men in the city of Jackson. He's an Iraqi war veteran, an entrepreneur, and a farmer. Dakeether Stamps joins us today. Most of the attention he gets these days is from his heavy involvement in the Jackson City Council. Well, I can't wait to talk to him about that. We'll talk with about his multiple roles and pressures he has to face and how he escapes it all on the farm. Later, we'll speak with vocalist and percussionist Adib Sabir about his four decades in the music business, his thoughts on up-and-coming musicians, and why he's still committed to performing. Our question today is this. What do you want your children to do that you didn't do as a child? You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING or email us at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, and we'll be back in just a moment. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. I hope you have a great weekend. It's nice weather out there. And I've noticed that our own Sherita Brent is back in town. Yes, I'm back in, You're back in action. Yes. In action, yes. Uh, uh, congratulations. I heard you had a very successful run as stand-up comedy over in Birmingham. Oh, yeah, it was fun. It was challenging. Six nights of comedy back-to-back. Six. Trying to be consistently funny was yeah. challenging. Well, when you do that, do you tell the same jokes every night, or do you do it? For the most part, yes, yeah. but I did cut some that didn't go over so well. But okay. It's so challenging being uh, vulnerable in that position to even have the courage to try to tell a new joke, not knowing if it's going to work or not. That was really scary, but some of them worked really well, so I'm just going to keep them you know in the repertoire well i've heard chris rock say that he goes and works the smaller clubs before he actually goes and does the big showtime special or whatever he's doing you need to you do because that's how you hone your material is is throwing it out there to the to the wolves right basically but congratulations and thank you baltimore is next for you so um the sky's the limit for sharita brent oh thanks man thank you rita b taking over the world some jokes like you're doing all these uh cartoons that are going viral yeah well that's (laughs) yeah that's that and it's really not much different to be honest with you i just Mm. have to draw the picture with it of course, tonight is the debate. Speaking of jokes, oh, uh, yes. 100 million people are supposed to watch this thing. Oh, my million, goodness. Bigger than the Super Bowl. This means it's going to be hot on Twitter. I can't wait. I'm oh, going to be tweeting live and everything. It's going to be great. I'm speaking in Philadelphia, Mississippi tonight, mm-hmm. uh, and then I will be riding home. I'll probably end up listening to it on the way home. And that's not the same because it's fun to watch them, to see the, the, the looks. And, of course, you know, the Kennedy-Nixon debate way back when, the first debate, was won by JFK by the people who watched the television as opposed to her on the radio because mm. Nixon was sitting there sweating and everything else. <laughs> I hope they're going to do it like in a big vat of jello or something. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to do this thing with – with, and uh, I think my cartoon tomorrow is thinking about what scares creepy clowns. Because, you know, oh, like man. clowns are the thing these days. Yeah, they are uh, out here terrorizing people. Well, I supposedly. Think Mississippi, have they made it to Jackson yet? You know, there was rumors supposedly at my son's football game this weekend that there was going to be a clown appearance. I'm like, what? Come on. Rumors. Rumors. They're awesome. They're going to. And you know what? Now that we have the Internet and, and the social media, man, it's like it goes around like that. But Speaking of the Internet, after one yes. of my shows, I was talking to a couple people about why they're voting for Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton. And mm-hmm. it was a civilized conversa- conversation. And I'm thinking this is great. You pulled that off. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking this is great because with this 
it's on social media. People are so aggressive and they're so, you know, intent on I have to win this argument so I look good in front of my friends. Right. I think sometimes when it comes to politics, we should just talk to each other face to face and stop doing all this social media bickering. Well, you know, my cartoon on, um, was it Sunday or Saturday? I can't remember what days he draws, but I had going on with the police shootings and everything going on. And I said, how to be a friend. And the mm-hmm. first panel was, you know, how not to be a friend was sitting there saying, you know, I had one guy sitting there watching going, I'm scared and this is mm-hmm. it makes me angry and everything else. And the other guy says, well, let me tell you how you're wrong, which mm-hmm. is what you see on social media a lot of times. And then right. said, how to be a friend is when they somebody says that you look at them and say, OK, I'm listening. Right. There you Absolutely. go. Listening. Oh, empathy. You know, that's so out of style. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so 19, what, 50s, 60s, I don't know, 40s, 30s. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we've ever done it in this country, but yeah, it's, we got to try it. It's actually kind of cool you know what? At the end of the day, may not agree with each other, but you know what? We at least understand each other a little bit better. Right. What, no, what are your expectations for this debate? <laughs> uh, my, the bar is very low. Um, <laughs> it should be. Well, I mean, seriously. I mean, no, number one, Hillary is an okay debater. She's pretty good unless she gets rattled. And mm-hmm. guess who's pretty good at rattling people? Oh, uh, Donald J. Trump. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I've watched these things. Of course, I've been drawing cartoons for nearly 30 years. And I've watched everyone, you know, watching everything else. This one's not going to be your normal debate because Trump, and you saw this a lot of times, of course, this is different for him because he's had like 16 people on the stage with him. And if there's something he didn't really want to get into or didn't feel comfortable with fact wise, he was quiet, Mm -hmm. but otherwise he could just jump in there and he could, you know, talk about, you know, low energy Jeb Bush or whatever the case is. So I'm sure there will be. You I know, think it'll be more entertaining. Yeah, oh, probably yeah. more entertaining than informing. Well, I think that's why 100 million people are going to watch it. Yeah. They expect it to be like The Apprentice. Right. You know, him <laughs> sit there and go, you're fired, you know, and do that <laughs> yeah. to it. So on that. But yeah, it's a tough weekend, too, sports wise, too. Gosh, a lot of lot of news came up over the weekend. I wrote a little piece and it can, you mind if I share it? No, I mean, go ahead. You know, it's, I guess I, if you do mind, I guess I'm in trouble because you're going to turn the mic off. No, I can't say no now that you've asked. OK, well, good. Well, thank <laughs> you. You're very kind like that. Well, these are just a few thoughts of what happened over the weekend sporting wise. Number one, Arnold Palmer died. I mean, he was a class act. He made golf cool. And I remember my dad being a fan of his. So naturally, I became one, too, as a little kid. And Jack Nicholas said it perfectly. He always tried to make himself better. And that's something I guess we all should try to do. We should, you know, have that same kind of passion that he had for our professions. He lived a long life, 87. Uh, but I'm sad to see him die. And I hope my dad, who recently passed, gets a chance to play around to golf with him. And I just wish 2016 would stop taking our icons. This has been a brutal year. It really has been. Jose Fernandez uh, didn't live a long life. He was tragically taken from us at the very young age of 24. But he loved living life during the time he had. And did you see some of the clips on the Internet? Incredible. The guy had so much passion, so much joy, loved it. Even made Barry Bond smile. That takes some work. (laughs) But, you know, his death was a terrible reminder that life is very fragile and that we should make the most of it. So, you know, my suggestion today is call someone you love and tell them that you love them and do that. Because, I mean, we never know. Dak Prescott. Gosh, I hope wow. you get, yeah. What, what a story. What a great story. And it just, he just continues to prove his critics wrong. You know, and so many people tried to create a story for him. Mm-hmm. You know, they said, oh, he should switch to tight end. He can't throw, blah, blah, blah. He can't stay in the pocket. Guess what? He's done all those things. I mean, he hadn't bought into that story that the other person created. And he can run, yes, but he also has an astronomical quarterback rating, holds the record now for a number of passes attempted for a rookie without an interception. Incredible. Um, his work 
ethic is epic. I can't get to say those two words in a row. And it's turned down endorsements so he can focus on the game. I mean, how many people would do that? You get first taste of success. You want to run out there and go make the money. And he's more focused on what he's doing. He proves that success is truly the best revenge and that you should never buy into someone else's story. That right there, I'm going to tell my kids that mm-hmm. when I get home. Do not buy into somebody else's story. Les Miles reminds us that coaches, why they get very large buyouts. Uh, when you're a big-time college coach, it isn't if you'll be fired. It's when you'll be fired. He now joins Phil Fulmer in the, I won a national championship but still got canned club. But he'll be fine, and I'm sure he'll take his clock management skills to another team eventually. But as a Tennessee fan, I have one bit of advice. I heard this thrown around over the weekend that they may try to hire Lane Kiffin. Don't do that. Trust me. No. You might as well just go ahead and plow salt into your field. And speaking of Tennessee, yes, I'm a Tennessee fan. Um, I'm relieved that Tennessee finally got the Florida Gators off their backs and out of their heads. And I'll tell you, uh, Florida, I thought they were going to whip them once again. I mean, the first half, Tennessee played terrible, and it was awful. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, God, not again. Here we go. And then the third quarter. Tennessee rattled off 38 unanswered points in the second half. Nayland Stadium came alive and frustrated Florida's offense, and Tennessee's defense helped in the same. But I think the lesson of the game is this. You haven't lost until the game is over. And I think that also also means a lot about life because I know there's a lot of people out there that think, oh, you know, I've lost. I can't pull myself back up. No, it ain't over till it's over, to quote Yogi on that. And you can always have a comeback. Make your adjustments and play your heart out. And people always say about sports, you know, is you know sports don't matter. Yeah, it's a great metaphor. It really is. And we can sit there and look at what goes on out there, and it's about human life. And uh, it was an incredible weekend, to say the, the least. We have got a great show ahead of us. I tell you what, I'm ex- Councilman Stamps is sitting here right next to me. Wearing his favorite color, purple. I've never seen him not wear purple. I don't know what this is. You know what? It's perfect color for radio. <laughs> Just great. Because <laughs> yes. he looks great on radio. And I- I'll be honest with you, I drew him last week, and he's still talking to me. So I think this is going to turn out okay. Yay. And then we have the incredibly talented Deeb Sabir, who a man who has overcome some obstacles in his life, but is also an incredible musician. And so I'm looking forward to that. That'll be in the second half of the show so stay tuned for that as well but and we have a very good question of the day and this is one you know i look at my kids every night and i kind of hope that they do better than me because you always want your kids to do better than you but the question is this what do you want your children to do that you didn't do as a child you can give us a call at 877 mpb ring that's 877 mpb ring give us a call at marshall you can call us at marshall at mpb online too and the i want to get your answer to that we're going to take a break in a second but uh what what do you think about that yeah seriously what do you want your kids to do i want them to follow their dreams and um one of the things that i didn't do is i want them to graduate college yeah that's strong but you you kind of re- you you know had quite a career in the military too so it worked out okay for yeah. you it worked out okay. Yeah, with mine, I my kids are already doing things that I never dreamed of doing. So I've got to give them credit. They're, they're way ahead of me in so many different ways. So I just hope they stay between the buoys. All right, we're going to take a quick break. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. 
back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'll tell you what, happy Monday. I hope you're having a good one. Um, it is fall. It doesn't feel like it. Unfortunately, fall is always a bit tardy in Mississippi, but I think we're supposed to actually get some colder weather next week. I'm excited about that, personally. But, okay, Sharita's in there shaking her head because she likes her whole world to be like a terrarium, hot and like very like steamy. But not me. I mean, she's the only person I know in August that has a heater going in her office. So, but I would prefer it to be 50 degrees year round. So there you go. But anyway, it's going to be nicer next week. It's okay day as well. Very excited to have in the studio Councilman DeKeither Stamps. Well, thank you for having me, sir. Yeah. I hear you're on your way up to um, the farm with the bush hog. Yeah. 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 Working every day. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So when you're not like trying to save the city of Jackson from itself, you're out there cutting down weeds. And so it's a very similar type job, isn't it? Yeah. You know, cows, hay. Yeah, you know, we don't have that many potholes, but yeah. <laughs> well, we, we luckily there's plenty in Jackson, so you can get your fill there, right? Yeah, that's well, right. Actually, they can, technically you can't get your fill, but <laughs> I tell you what, you grew up on a family that farmed, and and there's a lot of ways that that has taught you work ethic, hasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, I, I learned everything on the farm from faith yeah. to um to teamwork to but a farmer has to be a uh, a botanist, uh, a meteorologist, uh, <laughs> a veterinarian, yeah. you know, so I learned a lot of core competencies on the farm. Yeah, and you, you know, you realize that why most of the metaphors in the Bible are farm-based. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was, you know, different society back then, but mm-hmm. talk about faith. Yeah, you put the seeds in the ground and you hope that they come up or you have faith that they come up. That's right, that's right. And um, there's no better place to teach to me. Um, even faith in God is on the farm. Yeah, definitely. You you said... Um, of course, you didn't go to college, but you did something else when you got out. You went in the military, didn't you? Yes, sir. Yeah, what branch were you in? I was in the Marine Corps. Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Semper Fi. Do with that. So, yeah, exactly. And you're still a Marine, right? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. You'll be a Marine till the day you die. That's right. Talk about your service, because we've, um, we've actually discussed this before. You had a pretty incredibly cool detail. I was, to- I was truly blessed. Yeah. Um, I had the distinct honor and privilege of um, serving in Marine Helicopter Squadron 1. Um, that's um, the, the Marine equivalent to Air Force 1, but with helicopters. And I served with Presidents Clinton and Bush. And that was a wonderful tour of uh, traveling all over the world in every state in the Union and, and seeing a lot of wonderful people and, and just seeing government from a different angle. So how did that work? I mean, did they haul the helicopters around when you went someplace or how did you, how did you, cause I know a lot of times that's how the president gets from the white house to mm-hmm. Andrews air force base, for instance. Right. We fly them around. So if the president's going from DC to Los Angeles, you know, you have a group that's in DC and you have another group that probably left two days ahead of time getting to Los Angeles when he got there. Have an advanced team. Yes, sir. So were you were, when the president came off the, the Marine one mm-hmm. and saluted the yep. Marine, that was you. Yes, sir. Excellent. Yes, sir. And so you got to know both Clinton and Bush. Talk mm-hmm. about them a little bit. I'm kind of curious. They're, they're uh, super smart. You know, um, a lot of people don't give president Bush enough credit, but he's one of the smartest guys I, I've ever met. Really? Um, in his capacity. Yeah. Um, he just puts on this character uh, as if he's not, and that makes it even more uh, more ingenious. Yeah, because I mean, he definitely could butcher the English language. I'll Most give him definitely, Most yeah. <laughs> incredible. But he'd get on the helicopter and be a totally different person. No kidding. You know? So, um, and then President Bush, it was just different. The the Bush family is an institution. Yeah, you know, everybody has a role, everybody has a responsibility, and those types of things. Um, and the Clintons were a little bit different. Um, they're, they're an institution themselves, but back then they were just an institution um, in the making. Right. You know, so. It was just a different experience. Um, Clint was more personable. Yeah. You know, he knew everybody's name. 
where they were from. He had this he had this gift, and I, I bumped into him once in my career. But he had this gift of making you feel like you're the most important person in the room. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Really, I mean, you can, I know a few politicians that can do that, but not many. That's that's quite the gift. Yeah, quite a gift. And you can do that, right? I try. Exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, you got to keep everybody in the ward happy. What ward are you in? Ward 4. Ward 4. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, talk a little bit more about your tour. You also served in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. where, when and where did you serve? I was um, the patrol leader of a 17-man four-vehicle patrol in Tikrit, Iraq. That's uh, oh, the heart home. of the Triangle yeah. of Death. That's yeah. right. Excellent. That's Saddam's hometown. Exactly. We most loyal um, supporters there. And we were uh, responsible for about 17,000 um, square kilometers of battle space. And we patrolled it every night from town to village to, you know, and it was a, it was a great 15 months. Yeah, it was a great fifty. You worked months. with some really good, good guys. The best folks, and because yeah. when I when I got to Iraq, I didn't I wasn't in charge of special operations folks. Right. I, you know, when I was in, you know, working with the president, everybody in the whole units, the top of their game, everyone's, you know, expert pistol rifle qualifications. Right. Everybody's physically fit. Everybody's motivated. Right. Um, when I got to Iraq, I wanted to have I wanted to lead folks in actual combat, but I got the opportunity to just lead regular soldiers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, cooks, fuelers, 18 year olds, right. You know, and that was, that definitely made me a better leader because there's no higher calling than to lead folks in combat as the, to me, that's the highest call of any leader. Oh, sure. And, um, and, and we had a, we, we developed some lifelong friendships. Um, we lost some good people and, um, and it's just a period of time that you'll take with you forever. Yeah, that was that was a tough time when you were there too, because I know the violence was was very intense, but it's also very random. The IEDs right. and things like that. And mm-hmm. how long did it take you to, when you got home to kind of unwind from that? Because I would imagine even driving down the interstate would be kind of almost you felt your heart rate going mm-hmm. up. Well, when you spend you know fifteen months and um, and every day you're on patrol, right? And then you you know the next week you're, you're back home. I remember I came home for R and R. And I, I, I told I told my my daughter I said you know forty eight hours ago I was in the back of a Humvee yeah you know getting shot at and now I'm sitting here rocking you in a, in, a, in an easy chair you know that's that's definitely something different in this war that, that we've never had before in our history of wars but um, the decompression time you know it, it takes it's it's a lifelong um, yeah. journey. And we, you have to have a good support system. We had Dan Fordyce on, who was Kirk Fordyce's, or still is Kirk Fordyce's son. And <clears throat> Dan does a deal where he goes bonfire mm-hmm. and brings veterans around mm-hmm. and allows them to dig. And he had a very good point. It's something I didn't think about. World War II, okay, the war was over, and you stayed in Europe for a while, and then mm-hmm. you got on a ship, and it took you a month to get over to the United States. But mm-hmm. you had all that time around your buddies mm-hmm. to decompress. But you're right. You Now you get on a jet. Mm-hmm. And you're home within 48 hours yeah, you, and you get home and nobody's, it's like a different, you know, even though we're supportive, we're mm-hmm. not engaged like no. we were back in World War II with no. the war effort. So it was like, you kind of look around going, okay, guys, wake up. There's people dying across right. the sea. I mean, they're, you know, America is just totally disengaged right now yeah. um, from this whole effort. And it's the longest war we've ever had in our history. And because the civilians aren't charged to sacrifice anything, they're not right. selling bonds or buying bonds and or victory gardens or all that. They're not like rationing out different goods and services where everyone has some buy-in. Right. It's more like, um, you know, you do that and we come back and clap for you on the other end. Yeah. And you're like, Ugh. <laughs> but you know what? That's good. You have figured out a way to, to be able to lead in another way. What made you decide to run for councilman? Because that's at times a pretty thankless job. Oh, I, I got pulled over by JPD. 
Really? Mm-hmm. That's what did it? Mm-hmm. Huh. I got pulled over by JPD, and um, I've been when I, when I retired in 2010, I've been traveling a lot. Yeah. And my tag was expired by, like, 16 days. So, okay. So you were he, definitely a criminal yeah, at he, that point. He, he, gave yeah. me, he gave me a ticket, and I drove off. And then I go down the road, and they pull me over again. Same two cops pull <laughs> me over again, give me another ticket for the same thing. So um, at that point, I feel totally justified in giving them a piece of my mind. Well, did they have memory problems, or what was it? <laughs> Short-term memory issues? Right. Oh, who is this man? I've never seen you before. Right. I just saw you down the street 12 minutes ago. And, yeah. Um, and so uh, they pulled me over. We got into a back and forth. Yeah. And they wind up taking me to jail for disorderly conduct. Wow. So I'm in the room right now. I should be worried for my life. I'm in here with a, with a known criminal. So, But seriously, that yeah. you said, okay, there needs to be some reform. At well, this point. Then I go to my council person. He didn't do anything. I go yeah. to the police chief. She didn't do anything. Um, I went to court and the judge found me guilty. And so I just made it my personal charge to go in that lane, try to fix it. Right. So I uh, did stuff in the community, didn't get any resolve there. So we ran for office. And now the councilman's not a councilman anymore. The chief's not a chief anymore. The mayor's not a mayor anymore. Not in my direct um, happen, uh, my direct action to doing that. But, um, you know, we're just moving forward. And you got a new license tag. Yeah, I got a new, I got a new, got a new car tag. You spent a thousand dollars. You got a new car tag. So you're yeah, good. I, I drive a little hooped, a little 1998 Toyota Corolla. Okay, so it's only five hundred dollars. Yeah, it's like twenty seven dollars. <laughs> I know. Doesn't that make that feel so good? You know, when you finally get to, even though you're breaking down every three weeks, you know, you get that cheap car tag. You're like, yes, on that. Talk about some of the issues in your ward. Your ward four, of mm-hmm. course, and we see a lot of the headlines going on with Jackson and what's mm-hmm. going on, infrastructure issues and so forth. But what's going on in your ward? Well, um, just a little demographics. Um, Ward 4 goes from Northside Drive and Livingston Road over the west and southwest side of Jackson all the way down to Sidewell and McClure. Mm-hmm. So we have about 27,713 folks in Ward 4. And we're primarily parks, you know, from Grove Park to to um, to Westside, to Grove Park Community Center, to the VA Legions Field, to the Environmental Learning Center, uh, Buddy Butts Park. So our yeah. ward is primarily... The parks ward. We don't really have a large commercial area like a Jackson State or a downtown or anything like that. So um, the issues we deal with are primarily dealing with parks, and but parks can be economic development. You know, people don't realize that Buddy Bucks Park and of course the Choctaw Trails right mm-hmm. next to it used to be the prisoner of war camp during mm-hmm. Camp Clinton during right. World War II. Really mm-hmm. incredible history. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, the road going into that place there. Talk about some potholes. Right, yeah, right. but so I'm just throwing that out mm-hmm. there since that's your job. No problem on that. You know, people do complain a lot like I just did. Uh, do you ever see any appreciation from any of them? Well, luckily for me, the grateful people outnumber the ungrateful people. I'll now have guilt. <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> I'm grateful you're here. How's that? Is that better? Yeah. Okay. And, but we have some great folks um, yeah. that understand the, the depth of the problem when you really dig down into it and who work with you and try to get it done together. The inflammatory folks may get more news and more attention, right? but um, I'm, I'm to, for the, to the firm belief that there's people out there, black, white, Democrat, and Republican, who are really focused on moving the city forward and not going down the stuff that media normally puts out there and really want to move the city forward. You know, I mean, there are a lot of challenges in Jackson. I've lived here 20 years. I've, I've seen what's going on. And, of course, you know, not to just pick on Jackson, I think about every city has these type of issues, particularly mm-hmm. when you have a 100-year-old infrastructure that, you know, putting money into the infrastructure is not very sexy for a politician. Oh, no. Because that's putting money into the ground, and then you cover it back up, and you never really see it again. 
Talk about some of the challenges because, I mean, obviously there's some financial issues. You guys are having to really grapple with the budget right now. Um, some popular things are being cut, and there's been a lot of outrage on that. And then there's been – and I'm not going to ask you necessarily to comment on it, but there's been some distraction outside of that that you're going to have to face also as a city. So talk about that process. I mean, you, you said before that we're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. Is it just going to take time? Well, um, we, we cannot get distracted. We have to stay focused and keep the main thing the main thing. Um, What's the main thing? The main thing is, first and foremost, is education. Yeah. Um, Education for our young folks. Because the majority of people who leave Jackson and and leave because of the education system. Right. So if you're ever going to get the middle class to come back to Jackson, uh, you're going to have to focus on the education system. Um, Next is infrastructure. And um, infrastructure is going to be key and we have to spend the money wisely and, and, um, and preferably do more work ourselves versus contracting it out. Yeah, definitely yeah. on that. You, 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 you really touched on something about that. Cause it used to be white flight. That was the mm-hmm. big thing back in the eighties and the nineties. Now it's middle-class flight right. and a lot of businesses too. And so you mm-hmm. lose your tax base. The businesses follow the money. Yeah. So wherever there's middle-class money, right. The business will follow. It's right. not a black or white thing. It's just, it's an economic thing. Right. And of course, in you know, I mean, Harvey Johnson used to talk a lot about perception, mm-hmm. and there's some truth to that too, mm-hmm. a little bit. Although, you know, I mean, he didn't like me because my cartoons. We won't talk about that. That's for later. Hey, I want to jump in really quickly, mm-hmm. uh, Dekeither. You talked about when you got pulled over by the police that time that mm-hmm. you went to your councilman and she didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the accessibility of a councilman or a councilwoman? Because I see lots of folks on Facebook complaining. Well, I've reached out to my councilman and they're not doing anything. What is that process to to getting things done and, and reaching you? guys okay well first uh, the uh, the city government in, in mississippi is the, the council's legislative branch of government and the uh, mayor's executive branch of government so when you want things done you know it has to be done by the administration the council person just a representative we report the problems but we don't have the ability to tell an employee to go fix the pothole or go clean the ditch right we're just advocating and advocating and advocating versus actually have the power to do it. Strong mayor. We're a strong mayor form of government. Exactly. Yeah. So with this form of government, it, it puts us into that. Maybe you may see us on TV all the time and, and perceive that we have a degree of power that we don't. Um, but the real power is in the administration's hands to prioritize and execute the government. So you got to have a good relationship with the mayor to be able to get a lot of stuff done. That's why you don't see me fussing with him that much. Ah. See, smart man. There you go. Right there. I should well, learn, I, I should I learn behind, that in marriage. What was I thinking? So, I do it behind closed doors. But but that's important. We're going to take a quick break. Um, we can bring him back for a minute, or we got because a couple more things I'd like to ask. Ask him. Well, we got, of course, Councilman DeKeither Stamps with us. Coming up next is Adib Sabir, who's a great musician. He'll be with us too. And we do have a question of the day. What do you want your children to do that you didn't get to do as a child? Call us at 877-MPB-RING. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a great day. Question of the day is this. What do you want your children to do that you didn't get to do? You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. We got count. Yeah, we got Councilman DeKeither Stamps in the studio, and we got Frank on the line. Hello, Frank and Jackson. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. Dr. Stamps, how are you doing? Hey, Frank, how are you doing? Fine. Two things. Uh, things I wish my kids did. Uh, my kids are doing everything I wish I could have done. Uh, they have a lifestyle that I wish I was uh, uh, could get accustomed to. So my kids are my example. i got to try to catch up with them. Uh, they've been overseas. Uh, my daughter is living in Manhattan. I grew up in New York, but didn't, couldn't really live in Manhattan, but she's doing it. So uh, my kids are trailblazers as far as my family is concerned. Uh, the situation about the uh, deterioration of Jackson, uh, people tried to blame the deterioration of Jackson on uh, the deficiencies of minority population. But the deterioration of urban centers has been going on since the 50s. It has nothing to do with the default of the minority population. It's primarily a real estate deal. And uh, what happens is that we have to, in Jackson, find ways to take advantage of gentrification. Uh, the white flight people always come back. They come back strong. The downtowns are developed. Uh, the de- decrepit houses are developed. The, 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 the challenge is to use the aura of downtown development and giving these developers all this bond uh, consideration, which is basically a tax increase on the citizens of Jackson, and find a way to use the uh, desire for downtown development to divert money to the other communities in town. Because no matter what, the money is going to be paid back by the city of citizens of Jackson. So require developers to put a, set aside a certain amount of money, just like in some towns they set aside a certain amount of money for downtown art, a half a percent, one percent, another half a percent, one percent, to go into a fund for money to be used in the outlying community. You cannot stop gentrification. The education system has very little to do with gentrification. Uh, when, they, when the majority community moves back, education improves dramatically uh, because the low-performing kids are basically pushed out because they can't afford the rent or the taxes on their land due to gentrification. So I'm looking for a mayor who can come in and realize this, that we're not going to stop these things from happening. It's just it's going to keep happening. Okay. But to find creative ways to use the fact that uh, public bodies seem to want to give tax breaks to developers but do not want to raise taxes, which is basically what they do when they give tax breaks, to All right, Frank. the community. Okay, so, thanks. Great call. Thank you very much. You got any comment? Well, uh, Frank's a wonderful guy. He, he, he does a lot in our community. And uh, you raise a good point. And how do you uh, increase the uh, the wealth creation inside of the communities who are here as the as the city turns? And it will turn in in about twenty years. You know, you won't be able to afford properly, right? You know, in, in downtown and around Jackson. So um, we must increase our wealth creation for all, and that needs to be done in, in an equitable way. You know what I've discovered after living in Atlanta, Houston, and San Diego is that it's always a, fa- a factor of traffic. Mm-hmm. When people get to the point where their commute is an hour and a half, suddenly it's like almost like the universe. It expands and it contracts back again. So yeah. people just get tired of driving. Yeah, young folks, 
uh, don't want to travel and seniors don't. So yeah. you're going to, you know, we already have that. We already have a group of young folks who say, you know, I'd rather live in this place in Fondren or Bellhaven or, uh, yeah. you know, and you have a bunch of seniors who don't want to be that far away from services, right? you know, who are moving back to Jackson because of the economics and, and several other factors. Definitely on that. Touch on one thing before you go. You're retired, mm-hmm. which uh, you're younger than I am, so that makes me feel like I'm kind of a slacker. But you have a pretty good reason. You have medical release in, what, 2012? 2010, right. Uh, 2010. Multiple vertebrae fractured and mm-hmm. two heart attacks. Mm-hmm. And you you look healthier than I do. So, I mean, how, what happened? Well, you know, stress will kill you. That's what I hear. And, you know, when you, uh, and it's, it's totally common. A lot of, a lot of guys. A lot of combat. I mean, yeah. 15 months of combat. You know, a lot of guys who, who served with me have had several heart attacks. Um, it's a combination of the things that were in the soils there, plus stress and yeah. several other, other factors. But um, you can rebound from that. You yeah. know, uh, I tell folks that, you know, that's just a period of life. You know, medical things happen. Just like the brother sitting across from me. Yeah. He's had several strokes, but he's still moving around trying to help move the city forward. So, I, I use it as a motivator to tell folks, what's your excuse? Right. You know, to move forward. And um, if you just, you know, keep God first and move. There wasn't ahead. a lot of damage and everything. Everything okay? Yeah. Wow, fine. that's incredible. So, yeah. Oh, no. What's what's that? Oh, yeah. We got Andrew on the line. Hello, Andrew. What's your comment? Oh, that's it right there. That's a pretty strong comment. Let us know exactly. Dakeither, I appreciate you okay. taking time out. I know No, you. he's on the line. Oh, he's on the line now. Hello, Andrew. You're back. That's good. I thought I hey. lost you. Hey. Hey, I was just saying, I think nobody wants to talk about it because a lot of people say it's racist to talk about it. But I think the bottom line is with the breakdown of the family in the black community and also in other communities, especially the black community, I really think that puts these kids behind the eight ball and it just snowballs. And just from everyday life, I'm sure there's statistics out there that support my my hypothesis, and I'll hang up and listen. Thank yeah. you. You had, had a great point. I mean, the yeah. breakdown of the family, the family unit, you know, is a, is a cornerstone to every neighborhood, every 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 city, um, and every nation. So this is not just a Jackson thing. You know, you got half of marriages ending in divorce, black and white. Yeah. You know, uh, there's more divorces in churches than they are on the street a lot of times. So um, as a society, we're watching the erosion of our very society right before our eyes. We got a front row seat to watching the erosion of all of society, black, white, just the American society is eroding. And we're going to have to make some serious decisions. And one last comment I want to make before I leave, sure. uh, Marshall, is that I want to call on all veterans to uh, to step out and get involved in government, just like we've done in our history. After the, World War II, for after instance. After World War mm-hmm. II, after the Civil War, after the American Revolution, veterans invade the system because um, to rebuild it. They had the level of commitment to the greater good. A lot of, you know, I believe I'm a firm believer that about 40% of all civilians who are in government right now need to leave and be replaced by veterans because in 20% of my Democrats and 20% of Republicans, right. And they they need to leave the system and be replaced by veterans who have a a commitment to the greater good. We've allowed ourselves to get so focused on these different rights that we forgot duty and service and sacrifice and commitment. And so um, if you're a veteran out there, again, you know, I, I don't know any level of government that's not broken from cities to counties to states to nations. Um, and I'm encouraging all veterans to get involved in government, whether it be on the politics side or in the actual offices and in, 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 in the other other parts of government. But we have we're only going to rebuild our country 
unless we get our veterans back engaged. Well, yeah, and people always say, well, you know, I'm going to run for the big office. But really, if you want to change your world, you change the world right around you. And That's the best right. way to do that is local government. That's right. Local yeah. government is the whole key. So we got municipal elections coming up next year all over the state. And I just encourage all my veterans to dive in and let's move our state forward. You know, one one last thing here. You know, you talk about the family and everything. That's a big, big part of your life is mm-hmm. being a dad. You've mm-hmm. got three daughters and they're mm-hmm. 18, 9 and 6. Mm-hmm. It's about the same range as mine, too. So I, I know exactly <laughs> how stressed out you are. So um, but I mean, that's something that you value, isn't it? Most definitely. Most yeah. definitely. You know, at, at, at the center of my universe. And um, and that's what how everyone should look at your children. Yeah. Your children are not just. You know, um, just you know, ordinary people. Right. You know, you, the, these are this is your your lineage. You know, I'm a probably thirtieth generation farmer. You know, did and, they farm? Did they get out there on the farm with you? They have to. No choice. Okay. You know, and, and they're thirty one, and I want to, and I want for it to go on for thirty more generations. Right. You know, so I can't be the breaking the chain, and that's really what I tell everyone nowadays. Don't let our generation be the generation that broke the chain of progress for America. Yeah. Definitely. Dakeith, thank you for coming in today. All right, thanks. I appreciate that. All right, well, we also have in the studio an incredibly talented musician and a survivor, too, to say the little least. Adib Sabir is with us. Adib, I'm, you're looking good. You really are. You, you've had a stroke three months ago, and you can't hardly tell it. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm blessed. I feel very blessed to be here. Yeah. And uh, just trying to continue. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just get up every day, put your shoes on, and get out there and do yeah. what you love to do, and that's music. Yeah. Well, you're kind of an inspiration to me. I see your post about your running. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you ever saw me running, it wouldn't be as much of an inspiration. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, I remember one time I was out running, and somebody asked me, I said, sir, are you, are you okay? It's <laughs> like, no. I do I look bad? You know, I was like, on that. But but thank you. Yeah, I, I try to get up because... I, you know, like the councilman, I've got a bunch of little kids, so I want to make sure that they actually know who their dad is. But yeah, I, got you. Um, I tell you, I mean, I knew I wanted to be an artist about the time I was three. I mean, I knew I wanted to draw cartoons and everything. I loved doing it. How old were you when you realized that music was something you were going to chase after? Uh, I never realized I was going to chase after it, really. I just, it was just, just part, of, your part life. of what I did. Yeah, I wow. just gravitated to it all the time. I, I tried to do other things, you know. Yeah, I played sports, you know, try to prove I was a man to, right. <laughs> to my peers. But uh, I always did music and acting. So. Yeah, and acting, too. Yeah, yeah I, I I played football, and I thought I was going to be a football star until one day I woke up and realized cartooning hurt a lot less than football. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, wait a minute. I'm not sore the next day. You know, I can I draw. But you kind of... Did you start out like what, playing piano or guitar, or what did what, what I, you start with? I took piano lessons, and I... I played in the orchestra in elementary school. I played the snare. Really? Yeah, and uh, I was I was kind of a cheater. I wouldn't practice. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, I took a, a hiatus from the, my high school years and played football. And then uh, in college, I I picked up mu- the music bug again. Where'd you go to school? Uh, I started at Elmhurst in, in Chicago, but I was t- uh, it was in Elmhurst, Illinois, which was on the commuter train line to Chicago, which okay. meant I spent more time in Chicago than, than I did on campus, and so I ended up coming back to Jackson State. Yeah, I've I've have several friends that have been that same experience. <laughs> it's like they were having a little too much fun, so they had to come back. But but you you were able to continue with your music a little bit. Um, what what are the different instruments you play? Uh, 
I'm all, I'm only proficient on on percussion instruments. Yeah. Uh, drums. I I prefer hand drums. Okay. Uh, I don't. And you're pretty amazing at that, because yeah. Well, thank you for that. I I do I I enjoy myself and I do the best I can. Was that something that was effective when you were when you when you had the stroke and everything? Did it take you a while to come back on that? Or is, well, I'm still coming back. Isn't yeah. that scary? I mean, seriously, you you're like, okay, don't take the one thing from me that I truly love. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, but but uh, I'm I'm optimistic. I, I'm doing more than I can I can play better now than I did right after the stroke. A very good friend of mine, Stacy Curtis, had a stroke and went blind. And he's an oh, artist. God. He's an oh, artist. Oh, and a visual artist. A visual artist, yeah. And it, it took him about six months, and his eyesight started coming back, and his hand eye-hand coordination started coming back. And now, a year and a half later, he draws as well as, almost as well as he did before. But it was just watching him go through that. I mean, it was like every day I was sitting there giving him encouragement because I so wanted him to get that back. Yeah. So that's tough on that. Talk about some of the bands that you've you performed in because you've had uh, some legendary ones. Okay, well, I started off uh, – I guess the most popular band that I, I played with in during the seventies and eighties was probably Natural High. Yeah, and we were kind of uh, we were at the top of the top of the game, and uh, dropped out for a while. And I can't work while my kids were being raised. Well, we were raising our kids, and then I I started back with uh, Soul Pocket. Yeah, and it was an original band, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And then I I joined the Vamps. In the Vamps, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, since the Vamps, I've joined a, a group called Paperclip Scientists. You did do the Van- Do you ever play with the Vamps much anymore when they get back together? Whenever Whenever we get a gig, yeah. I still I still put the Vamps as a priority. Yeah, we've had Barry on the show before, and he's incredible, and it's just amazing. He is an, an incredible musician. Yeah, the guy good to open up for the for Yes, That's, and a good guy. Yeah, he's, he's a, a he's a nice guy too. Really yeah. Nice guy. yeah, which is a big part of what you do when you're working with different bands because it's really like almost like a marriage, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you gotta absolutely. get along. You gotta get along. I love this right here. Some of our this was a quote from you. Some of our Music is for sale in Japan. In fact, the album's pretty expensive. It's a collector's item. Talk about that. That's that's got to be. Oh yeah, I, somebody told me. Uh, said you know they're selling your album in Japan, and I looked it up on the internet and I saw it priced it over a hundred dollars. And I was, oh, you're like, where's my royalty? <laughs> exactly. I, I'm ready to move to Japan. There's obviously some money to be had over there. That's right. Where are my royalties? Uh, selling for a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. And I, somehow I think that's going to somebody else though, and not to the musician. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't. We don't get any. Yeah. The middleman gets that one on that. Yeah. So. They're getting all that. Well, we're going to continue this discussion, which is fantastic right now. Ah, with the deep severe, and of course we have a great question of the day. What do you want your children to do that you didn't get to do as a child? And we've had a lot of great submissions on social media. We'll read some of those to you as well. And of course you can give us a call at eight seven seven MPB ring. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. I woke up with devils and gods at odds in my head. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Great question of the day. What would you want your children to do that you didn't get to do as a child? You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. And, uh, Marshall, we just heard a couple songs. Dee brought me the, the album Paperclip Scientist, The Quest for the 100th Monkey, and he's playing on a, a couple of those songs. So we listened to uh, Morning Doves, and this right here is Top Hat. So, uh, Deep, how was it uh, working on that project? Well, I, we are still, we, ha- we, we actually released that album, and we got about two more in the can. We, we just went in the studio and worked and worked. I met those guys, and I was I was I was working in a a lounge as as a duo with a good friend of mine, Chris Alford, guitarist, and moved mm-hmm. to New Orleans. And we went out there to record, and they heard my voice, and they gave me a a whole pile of original material and said, "Do what you want to do with it." And so we just worked and worked till we had over thirty songs. Isn't that amazing when you get on a roll like that? That's right. It really does, because, I mean, sometimes the creativity will hit me like that. I'll be sitting there and thinking, no, 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 and all of a sudden it just starts flowing, and you don't want to stop. That's it's right. Like, it's like you got to make hay when the sun shines. That's right. That's absolutely right. I'm so. that, doing on that, too. I, I tell you, you were just telling me you've been a health food nut since the 70s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I read a, a guy told me, he said, if you stop eating pork, you'll be smarter. Really? <laughs> Maybe I, I said, need, but, oh. it, but that means you got to give up bacon. Uh, duh, yes, yeah. duh. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'm gonna. I was young. I, I would try anything one time. So I tried not eating meat, and I I felt better. Yeah. So I just continued on that and read a book, uh, Arnold Eret, the Mucusless Diet, mm-hmm. and uh, it started me on a path of studying what I ate and. You know, fasting and, and all that kind of. It's stuff. probably helped you in the long run. You know, yeah. particularly in some of the some of the health challenges you've had, probably able to pop back quicker. Well, that's what the nurse and doctor say. Hey, gotta listen to them. <laughs> if you're paying them that much money, hey, definitely. That's I'm, true. <laughs> talk, you're still playing locally. What What are some of the projects that you're working on right now? Well, my main project is paperclip scientists, but I have uh, I, I have worked with uh, with the uh, with Rhonda Richmond. And Cassandra Wilson oh, wow. uh, yeah. at on Rhonda's project, and uh, that was thrilling. And uh, but right now I'm focusing basically on Paperclip. I have my own yeah. CD that I did right at the time that I began to work with Paperclip, but it was it was uh, arrangements of of cover tunes. Yeah. And uh, I kind of just left that on the shelf. I left that on it's on it's on Reverb Nation, and it's still for sale. But uh, I, I'm devoting all of my energy on the paperclip material, which they have the greatest band name and t- an album name that I think I've heard in the last 20 years. That was fantastic. So. Well, they're very creative yeah. guys. Yeah, and that's got to be a thrill for you. Of course, you're you're working here local. You get to see a lot of the, the up and coming music. And musicians coming up, and then of course the state of the business has changed so much in the last twenty years too, it or actually the last has. five years too. Absolutely. Some thoughts on that. What is there anybody out there that really impresses you? Well, I mean, there are so many people, but I, you know, I believe in 
following the the legendary performers as yeah. well. So you know, I keep up with all the old New Orleans guys. Yeah. And there are any of the jazzers out of New York and Chicago and blues guys. I just, I I love music. I don't right. care what genre they call it. I, I I even was a big fan. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ralph Stanley. So, oh, you yeah. know, yeah. And you never stop learning, do you? No, I, no. I love it. I love it all. It just it makes makes me breathe. Well, and of course, you mentioned where they can buy your album. Where are some other places they can find your work? And of course, find your you have a website and all that good stuff. Uh, Paperclipscientist.com. I'm I'm actually singing lead on about ninety percent of the material. That's awesome. I'm not, I'm I'm not doing a lot of playing. I'm doing some peripheral yeah. playing, but yeah. I'm actually doing lead vocals on. Well, and I'm glad you, yeah, I I mean, that thrills me. And I'm so glad to see you looking good and doing well. Thank you, Marshall. Yeah, doing great. All right. Well, I'm going to leave you today with five tips to make your week better. We're going to do that every week because I really want you to have a better week. So here's five things that will help you. Number one, be grateful for what you have, okay? Number two, start your day the night before. That allows your subconscious to work work well in your sleep. So make a list of what you got to do. Three, be ready to grow up, okay? Adults delay gratification. I know that's a little tough for some of you, but make sure you grow up. Four, drop your attitude. The world doesn't owe you a thing. Just remember that. And five, don't ignore your emotions, but remember that feelings aren't facts. Don't believe the story you're telling yourself. All right, great week, great show. I hope you have a good week. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. This is another edition. Thank you, Sharita, for... For making sure I stay between the buoys. Yeah, great show. Dakeitha Stamps, uh, our councilman, and Adib Sabir. Adib, thank you so much for coming thank in. Thank you for coming in. Always good to thank see you. you. All right, we're going to do this again next week. Thank you, and have a great week. Centrifuge, destitute, hemorrhaging, pesticides, chemical residue. It would be comical if it were untrue.